No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world, and today I have convened a debate of sorts between my man, Destiny, who at this point you're probably sick of seeing on the channel every day, and uh, two young ladies over here who are going to be uh, taking sort of the anti stance. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves, and maybe we can run through some of your credentials or how you guys ended up here? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Helen Taylor, and I'm the Vice President of Impact for an anti-trafficking organization called Exodus Cry. And we're international, but based here in California. We're originally from the UK, that's the funny accent. Um, and our focus is on um, shifting culture, changing laws, and directly assisting um, women exploited in all aspects of trafficking and trade, um, with a focus on the intersection of trafficking and as well. Okay, I think this is gonna come up sooner or later, so we might as well hit it. Uh, like, how, how do you find yourself in this line of work? Um, I began 14 years ago, actually. Uh, I got into this work young. I think when I uh, found out about the topic of trafficking, it felt like um, I couldn't go back to life or business as usual. Um, nothing upset me more than hearing that women and children were being systemically um, put and abused in a, in a form of an industry. And I ended up moving to Cambodia. I worked as an art therapist, so my background was working with survivors. But really, uh, I think for those of us who work with victims and survivors, we're always thinking about prevention and going further upstream of like, what are the factors that lead to someone being trafficked and how do we shift the culture and shrink that possibility? Um, so that's, I, I joined the organization 10 years ago. Um, I was telling Destiny earlier, thought it would just be a, a one year um, kind of internship. Took me six years to get my green card, um, but very, there's nothing on the planet that makes me more passionate than this topic. Um, and uh, when I was working in Cambodia, there was a, a trafficked individual, uh, a woman who told me that when she was trafficked from the age of 11 to a brothel that um, men would take into the brothel, men from America and Europe, and show her. And that was the first time I even ever made the connection that uh, and trafficking had any form of link. And we've spent the last few years really investigating um, where there are intersections and where the industry needs better regulation to protect trafficking victims from being um, exploited online on sites like Pub, um, but also how to protect children from being uh, exposed to online as well. That's a thing that we've campaigned a lot about. Okay, cool. Lots of stuff we could probably dive right into, but let's get the introduction here too as uh, well. Yeah, I'm Brittany Dallamora. Um, I was in the industry for seven years. Um, when I was in, and I just battled with a lot of just depression, addictions, idle thoughts, almost ended my life on a couple occasions. Um, was just very down and out in that business. Um, and I've gotten out. I got out because I read a scripture that just honestly radically changed my life. It was in the Bible. Um, and from there, now I'm married, have two beautiful daughters. My husband and I lead lovealwaysministries.com. And we help people who are struggling with addiction. And also we help performers who feel stuck that want out. Um, so we've helped a couple get out as well that have wanted out. Oh, damn. You thinking of quitting? Uh, no, personally, <laughs> I'm about I, to be saved. I mean, that is one thing that, that comes <laughs> to mind quite <laughs> often when we're hearing the, the anti <laughs> argument is that it, there must be a lot of people out there having life experiences that are quite different than uh, myself or a lot of the people around us because I'm somewhat oblivious to, you know, a lot of the, the darker stuff that some people might have as far as complaints about their, their time spent in the industry most of the girls i know like the two that you guys met earlier are seem quite empowered by it and they're quite happy about their lifestyle do you think that that's uh 
Do you think they're not being honest with themselves or do you feel like they're just in the minority? So when I was in porn, I had this alter ego persona. I had a stage name and everything. And you would never have known what I was going through. I just made it look like I was the happiest woman in the world. I had like a performance-based smile. Um, I never would have opened up about my addiction, about my depression, suicidal thoughts, none of that, because people aren't going to hire you. You know, um, they don't want to put their name on the line. And so I never would have done that. Um, I now counsel many women. I, I'm not the type, like, if you want to do porn, like, I don't agree, but I could still love you. Like, I'm not going to try to force you out. But I have a lot of women that do reach out to me. They're like, I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. Like, they believe the lies in their head that they've made their bed. Now they have to lie in it. Like, you know, that they can't get out of porn. Um, and so or they're a slave to addiction or whatever their their belief system may be as to why they have to stay stuck. But I talked to some of the top stars in the industry that have said they want to get out. So, I mean, not everybody is honest. Right. I mean, I, I've, I feel like I'm familiar with the vast majority probably at this mm -hmm. point of people in the industry. And I, I just can't escape the fact that they all seem very, very much to be willing participants in it and seem to be mostly having positive experiences with it. I guess I've run into a few people who seem like they're kind of in the midst of some sort of weird drug phase in their life. And maybe this is somehow like a part of that where they, they need to do this to keep this unstable lifestyle afloat. But I would say that that's like a real extreme minority from my experience. I think that if you played some of my old like interviews, you would never know. I played the part really well and I know a lot of women do. And I'm not speaking on behalf of everyone, but you know. But even if you were going through it at that time, I mean, you were still willingly entering into an agreement to film this content, right? Yeah, I was willingly entering into it. For the last three and a half years, I did have a pimp, but it's not like the production companies were forcing me. And I mean, I had a relationship with the pimp. So I mean, but he was taking all my money. Right. So, okay, what what would you guys kind of like, what, what do you advocate for? or what, what would be the ideal situation legally for porn to be in? Because I'm not sure if you guys fully believe that it should be illegal for people to create it or not. And I feel like it's also important to make the distinction of even when we're talking about porn, there's the brick and mortar porn industry. Um, you mentioned you know a lot of people in and are connected with, but people who consume porn online, like it is, this is a, a global industry that we're talking about. And the porn industry has changed so much over even the last 10 years. And with the user generated content and tube based porn sites, um, like Pornhub was a site that our organization um, began addressing a few years ago where we realized that their moderation process was woefully inadequate and that there were underage victims on these porn sites um, owned by MindGeek. That was the the, uh, the focus, but Pornhub is, is the most famous porn site that a lot of people just assumed everyone on there, of course they're over 18, of course their, their consent has been verified. And my colleague actually um, investigated because she was kept seeing all these stories in the news of underage victims on Pornhub, um, trafficking victims on Pornhub. Um, the Sunday Times did an investigation finding victims of children as young as three on Pornhub. She was like, how is this slipping through the net? Like, what is their moderation process? And found that all you needed to upload content was an email at that time. And then once we began speaking about it, we started a petition that had over two million people sign it to hold Pornhub accountable and actually get them to force them to change their, um, their procedures because um, content was king. And it seemed like the priority out of the 13 million videos that they had was just to get as much content up as possible. And okay, seems like there's a few underage victims in here or yeah, we haven't done anything to con 
like verify the consent of the uploader or the people in the videos, but they didn't seem to care. And the entire year of 2020, when we were calling for it, um, justice and accountability and saying, look, we're literally speaking to women who videos of them underage being gang raped are on your site. They've communicated with you multiple times asking you to take it down. And the response was either to be ignored or like they had evidence. And then the girls do porn case where a literal partner channel of, of Pornhub was um, a human trafficking case and there's since been charges. So what we are really calling for is laws that are passed and there's a, a great app that just got introduced called the Protect Act that would um, meaningfully verify the age and consent of every person who uploads content and pe every person who's in the video because there was a verified user who was a, a pimp from Florida. I don't know if you ever came across this case. It was in 2019 and a missing 15-year-old trafficked girl. Um, 58 videos of her were found on Pornhub. Um, and so that was even under a verified channel. So we want to see Asian consent verified. We want to see um, government ID from an encrypt encrypted third-party app be required for, for anyone accessing porn sites to protect kids. Because as we know, there's the average age of getting a smartphone right now. It's 10 years old. The average age of exposure to porn is 11 years old, but it's getting younger and younger. And porn sites are actively resisting um, passing age verification. That The technology exists. They could implement it. And I've been in meetings hearing them speaking about it. And they don't because any site that implements robust age verification knows that all that user traffic will go to their competitor site. Um, so we do believe that at some point the government has to get involved and regulate if these sites aren't willing to do the, the, reg the minimum regulations to protect children and to ensure that rape, underage, and trafficking victims aren't uploaded to their site. So those are kind of the two biggest things that Exodus Cry have been calling for. Um, and I feel like that's common agreement. Like most Americans, most listeners here in your podcast, no matter where we stand on porn, we probably disagree on a lot of things, but surely there's got to be common agreement on that. Yeah, I mean, when I first read that Pornhub article, I was pretty shocked because, I mean, th just the idea that people would be willing. And, and, and it's something that, you know, years ago when I first heard about it, I probably didn't think anything of it. But I think when you, it comes to a site that's willingly hosting porn, like it's easy for YouTube to just say, OK, any sex videos, we're going to boot off the platform. But for Pornhub, yeah, I definitely feel like that was probably really important that you guys did that. But we were having the conversation about, like, how you guys went about making that happen because was it the case where you guys kind of had to go against the uh, go after the payment processors in order to see any kind of action in that regard unfortunately sometimes the law drags its feet and credit card companies like they they need to be held legally accountable as well if they are monetizing content of illegal trafficking videos then we just knew that if, if they got involved, and we saw that, because after Nick Christopher, the New York Times article came out, days later, MasterCard and Visa cut ties, and days after that was when Pornhub infamously deleted 80% of their content, all their unverified videos, 10 million videos. But they didn't do that until the credit cards uh, made their move. And even the credit card companies only did that when the New York Times exposed it. We'd been in communication with them all year about it, showing them illegal video, illegal video. Nick Christoph, he spent 10 minutes on Pornhub and found videos of unconscious women where um, their eyeballs were being touched to show that they were unconscious and that. He mentions that in his article. So it was it was all over the site. It wasn't deeply embedded. It was, it was easy to find. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Have you thought about this uh, age verification thing or do you think that this is like a must that society implements this? I know I've heard, like to me, it sounds like it makes sense, but then I've also had conversations with a bunch of people in the porn industry who are basically like talk about it as if it would be fucking doomsday for the industry because it would make it really difficult for anybody to access porn, including grown adults. And it would probably drive them to 
I don't know, platforms that are easier to access, especially since you would assume it would probably be adopted by the bigger companies from the beginning, so you could see why they would kind of drag their feet on it. But have you thought about this much at all? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but geez, you, it's a really brutal contrary position to take. <laughs> Fuck you, okay? Don't ID people. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think minors should be able to post porn. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, I think that robust third-party ID verification for uploaders is probably a good thing. Um, I, I can't think of any argument against that. Um, I'm going to be totally fucking honest. I- ID verification for users. Man, I liked porn when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like 15, 16, 17 years old, going back to jerking off to magazines. Maybe that's just like an immature point of view for me to have, but damn. Yeah. No, there's definitely a lot. I was definitely seeking out porn from like the age of like 11 or 12 probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I guess it's gotten like, so much worse since then, don't you think? Since your average magazine now, porn is like abusive, pulling hair, spitting, choking. Young boys are learning that that's appropriate. They're they're taking it on as sexual education and they're using like, their young girlfriends. <sighs> so here's this is an interesting thing for me that I I just I don't know, um, and so much of this is anecdotal, and so much of the research on it is. The way that they define stuff is it makes some of these studies confusing because I've dug through some of these to figure out like when, like when they say like facial abuse, are we talking like mm-hmm. smacking somebody or just like somebody's getting, you know, like face marked or whatever? Oh, no, people um, have had their jaws broken. Yeah, I know. Abuse, like. People will say that, but then it's like, mm-hmm. that's not very common. I've watched a lot of porn. Well, yeah, I'm not and when saying we get that happens that, to every mm-hmm. performer. Well, yeah, I know, but I feel like sometimes people give this idea that like if you go to Pornhub today, like step one is like the woman is throat fucked unconscious, and that's like your intro point now. It's so extreme, but I, like I watch a lot of porn, and a lot of it is still like pretty vanilla oh, basic. A lot stuff. of porn when I was a kid was mm-hmm. way more extreme. When I think about some of the stuff I saw when I was a kid, because there was this whole culture of like companies want to like outdo shit. each other. Whereas now it feels like now that companies have more access to analytics, they're able to sort of like go towards the things that you know have wider appeal. And so as a result, even like the super ro- rough sex stuff, I don't see as much of it i think you kind of have to go out of your way to get a lot of that and a lot of the stuff girls are doing on their only fans kind of like helps shape the culture of what's going on in other porn where like when you watch a girl's only fans content you're probably seeing some version of what their real life sex life is like not too far off from it maybe average. like a yeah lot of i the think it's different with with the only fans stuff it's it's changed a lot but like i mean i got hired for tons of abusive scenes and i would tell my agent oh just knock on like another two to five hundred bucks and i'll do it but like i got hired for a bunch of that stuff so i feel like on on the back of what he's saying like i agree with that that it felt like in the 2000s when i think of like some of the porn that i watched that there was like more radical crazy stuff but i feel like only fans and before only fans and really more broadly i feel like amateurish stuff kind of shaped the atmosphere to where mm-hmm. the there, there might still be like kind of the really rough stuff out there but i feel like overwhelmingly most of it is not as much that like if we think of the most popular trend in porn in the past like three or four years hasn't it been like stepbrother stepsister shit incest yeah and- but I mean, like, and I know incest sounds bad, but like, largely the porn itself is pretty innocuous. No, like, it's pretty vanilla y stuff. Like, it's not oh, usually yeah. like my stepbrother is murdering and raping his stepsister. They're just doing like oral, vaginal, sometimes anal, and like, that's. I don't think that's there was like there was a study on there was a study on uh, Pornhub and X videos mm. that showed forty five percent of content um, in an uh, analytic study on Pornhub and thirty five percent on X videos showed at least one act of violence, and that violent act. Um, was either uh, slapping, choking, uh, hitting, spitting, pulling hair. 
I, I do think that those things are probably more common than you'd think in most mm -hmm. in a lot of people's sex lives. Well, here this was because I'm, of porn. Well, mm. I don't know. This is what I was going to ask you because men are definitely the heavy viewers of porn. I feel like every and this might be a selection bias. Tell me that every fucking girl I talk to, as soon as I start to go like, "Hey, like, what are you into? What are your kinks?" And it's like, oh, again, oh, I really like it when guys choke me and pull my hair and like this. <laughs> yeah, like, right. I feel like every fucking girl I talk to is into that. Like, most women that I talk to are way more extreme on that than me. You and a lot of these don't even watch porn. I don't know if porn is shaping yeah. their. It is. Porn I've is teaching from... women how to perform in the bedroom. Perform though, not not I don't enjoy. Know, perform. How do you react to things like Fifty Shades of Grey? Because this is written by women yeah. and for women. Yeah, that's why. Do you know? Like, some survivors of childhood sexual abuse have said to me that when. Like the imprint of your first sexual encounter does have a deep influence on your sexual development. People, and people say this. People say this about porn too. I cut people yeah. off a lot. Or if I cut you off, just tell me you shut the fuck up. Sorry. <laughs> For a lot of like porn stars and shit, I feel like I've seen contradictory research on that. Where when they do some research, like the amount of like uh, adult film stars, it's not like they're disproportionately massively abused. Like sometimes you'll read a stat where it's like 22% had like some weird sexually abusive event in their life or whatever. But then that unfortunately that's like the reality of women that like I guess I'm just trying to psychologically delve into the idea of why why would a woman ask to be slapped and choked and hit and strangled and violent acts. Like to me, um a loving sexual relationship and violence, like they don't belong in, in the same I, sentence. I, and when I'm saying violent, like <clears throat> you know, women carry constant fear in their lives of being raped or abused like sexual abuse on college campuses is on the rise um we're, we're here like we interviewed a nurse a few weeks ago who's a sane nurse a sexual assault um nurse who said a lot of the child abuse cases she sees in the hospital are actually peers um so ch other children or children who are like 10 to 15 years old and she said that some of the injuries um are directly linked to porno pornography and she'd never made the connection before but she kept seeing all these very um, specific sex act injuries of children and it wasn't some adult or family member that abused them it was another child or teen and she realized like where are these kids getting these really gruesome violent ideas from it's from porn and so I think when children have the access to porn like to me I'm okay with a 15 year old like kid not seeing porn if it protects them from acting out on another kid I feel like um, if our sexuality can be given time to um, to grow and unfold in a more healthy way. Like, I don't want kids exposed to porn. Like, I think kids need to be able to enjoy their childhood and not be exposed to um, their sexuality prematurely. And unfortunately, a lot of people are through through sexual abuse and molestation. Um, when I was in junior high, I would have done almost anything to obtain porn. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, if I had a 15-year-old son, would I want him to be looking at porn? No. But I also feel like I would have to just kind of live with the fact that most likely he would be seeking it out. And unless I was doing like an incredible job of making sure he didn't have a phone or an iPad or anything, that he was probably going to see it. And so I actually think I would want to kind of, you know, get in front of that in advance and have the conversation about porn and what's normal and how you might see some. Well, obviously, it's going to be a different conversation with me since I'm going to have to explain my own involvement. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like I would want to kind of jump in front of that and, and say, you know, if you, if you start watching porn, you're going to see things that are a little extreme, that the average girl doesn't want you to do. And when you do finally get some pussy, eventually, definitely you're not gonna wanna like, just go for it and do the craziest shit that you've ever seen in porn. All that stuff is like way off limits until you have like a huge amount of, of familiarity with them or whatever. But also I feel like when a girl tells you she wants you to slap you or whatever, I mean, what do you take it as? I take it as I want you to like slap my skin and not like in any way really hurt or like damage my skin. Like if you were to leave a mark, 
you did way too much, right? Like they're not asking for you to hurt them. They're asking there for is, you, they want this little small piece of performative violence as part of the sex act. Yeah, right? there is I, I think that when it comes to the sex acts themselves, there is a there is something that is hot about giving up control to somebody that ultimately you do trust not to abuse it, but like you're losing control in a way where they're dominating you in a way where they could hurt you severely or do damage. And that that state of mind to be there with somebody you trust is a really fun thing sexually for some people to explore, I think. Also um, kind of like a trauma bond, right? Because for me, I was abused almost my entire life. And so when I started at 18 in the strip club and then got into porn, um, I could fall on both ends where either I was like submissive or dominant. In the strip club, it started off as I was dominant. Why? Because I'm trying to take control back from, like it's like finally I'm in control. Now I'm the one that's like controlling the situation. And then getting into porn, same thing. Like I could be, you know, a little more dominant because that felt good, but I could also go back into that little weakling, like that trauma bond place where I can be submissive and you can slap me you can spank me you can pull my hair and do all these things because guess what i was used to that like that's what i you know i, I, I grew think that up can happen that. but i don't think it necessarily has to be the case that it's a trauma bond i think it could just be it a could fun be thing though too. it could be but I, I think that's i don't think that's not the majority of the case like i said when i point to like the 50 shades of gray thing i think that like it seems to be a really common woman fantasy of like having like a really domineering guy that like won't abuse you in real life but will take control like in the bedroom or whatever and that's like they a probably fun... have daddy issues like they didn't have a dad either their dad wasn't there or or maybe their father uh, was present, but like was just the friend figure, like didn't discipline, didn't tell them no. And so they're looking for someone to protect them, you know? And so it kind of feels like, like, you know, you can be here and, and you're strong. And like, that's like, that's why I flock towards all the guys that I flock towards, like the pimp, for example, like he was strong. He was, you know, like it felt like, okay, you are, you're in charge and like, I'm safe with you, you know? You, okay, let's, let me get a handle on this. I'm, for people that enjoy like 50 Shades of Grey, I, I'm focusing on this because this is like by women for women, like erotica yeah. and then eventually like TV. Um, what percentage of those enjoyers do you think are like having daddy issues? I'm just trying to get a ballpark for where you're at. Because when I think of like trauma, yeah. I think of like five to 10%. When I think trauma of daddy issues, I think everyone. like 10, 50. Sure, but I'm like, are you thinking like 90% of women that enjoy this are like trauma bonded off of it or have daddy issues or it's like 20%? I'm just curious where you're Should at. Should you on. be denied your kinks just because you were traumatized at some point in your life? Well, no, but hopefully you find healing from that and recognize that that's not actually normal because there was a, a long period of my life where I thought that that was normal. Wait, I want to hear the number though. I'm curious. Just so I know where I, we're all at in the I would hate to just throw out a number because I haven't looked at the statistics, but I'd probably say a large percentage of percentage of women that are asking to be abused probably have like daddy issues so like over or maybe 60, they were taken 70. advantage of you know or exposed to porn at a very young age something that has happened to them or something that they've seen in a porn scene has shaped the way that uh they view their sexuality in an unhealthy way i i think that the idea of fantasy is really important and i'm really glad you brought it brought it up because um, we just created a, a three-part trilogy on the porn industry, interviewed like everyone in our film is in the porn industry, uh, former, current performers, uh, producers, directors. It's called Beyond Fantasy. And some of the things that it, it breaks down is, what do we think about these fantasies? Like rape fantasy is in a lot of porn. Incest fantasy is in a lot of porn. A lot of things that are illegal are in porn. Um, teen porn is 33% of um, all, all porn searches. And just we made a whole episode analyzing that whole uh, genre of teen porn and the fetishization of children and 
girls in schoolgirl outfits and pigtails and lollipops and teddy bears and um, interviewed survivors. And even, even Britney was dressed a lot younger in porn. Uh, Britney's actually in the film. Um, it, the third episode comes out March 23rd, shameless plug. But I think that looking at some of these fantasies and, and it, it's obviously like we're, it, it's always hard in any study with cause correlation to say, well, there's a rape fantasy. Is that what caused that person to commit that rape? But I think there is a reason why there's always child porn, CSAM on, on predators' uh, computers, and a lot of them don't start with watching child porn. It's a, a fantasy. Um, they start with watching barely legal teen porn. And we've interviewed people that told us that after several years, that porn didn't scratch the itch, so to speak, and they were looking for more um, um, intense and yeah. dark. And the novelty factor, um, the, the idea of, of looking for something that gives them their next hit after years of porn addiction, um, and right now we are in a national, well, international crisis. The FBI told me recently that if they, if they had every single agent working on online child sexual abuse cases right now, they wouldn't have enough agents. Like we are in an absolute crisis online. And there are sites even like Twitter that are infested with child pornography, CSAM um, is the correct term we're using now, um, because they allow porn and they don't have moderation processes in place. Um, our team spent a couple of hours looking at certain hashtags. We found a whole plethora of underage, clearly underage. I'm talking like 12 to 14 year olds, clearly. Oh, should in these I mention videos. that on our last show, remember? What? <laughs> there was the Twitter hashtags where minors are fucking oh, posting right, porn yeah, of themselves. Yeah. It's fucking yeah. insane. Well, because on Twitter, I yeah. I don't know what the fuck Elon is talking about when he's saying that there's so much uh, child porn on fucking Twitter because I've never seen it. But, like, I mean, they talk about it all the fucking time. And the New York Times had an article the other day saying it's actually gotten worse since he took over. Wow. Maybe, yeah. Which might be what you're referring to. Wow. But there needs I, to be intervention because otherwise, like, <coughs> kids are being abused and that's being uploaded online. Like, we are in a crisis. Like, that, yeah. I just feel the urgency. Yeah. That, I under, okay, yeah. here, so here's my issue, okay? And I understand this and I'm sympathetic towards it. But I feel like what happens with a lot of these conversations is we talk about sexual assault, uh, or I'm sorry, we talk about uh, CSAM. Child sexual assault material or child sexual abuse material? Is that what it stands yeah, for? Either one. Yeah. So we talk about like CSAM. We talk about all this stuff. And I feel like there's a push to get rid of it. But there's always this undercurrent of all porn is actually bad. And I think a lot of people have the feeling, I have the feeling sometimes, that that is bubbling underneath, but we don't always want to say it. But I feel like it sneaks in sometimes where it's like, oh, well, some women enjoy this. Well, they have daddy issues. Well, some women maybe like doing OnlyFans. Well, they were probably abused as a kid. Where there's a way to write off every woman's positive experience or engagement with the subject, or a way to write off anybody that might enjoy the material. Like, well, you don't realize it, but you're actually secretly being like rewired in your brain and all these things. So yeah, I, I guess, it feel, like, would you guys in an ideal world just ban all porn? It feels like that. That's a yes. If you got to think about it, that's a yes. Okay, in an I, you know why? Okay, so when I was in porn, I didn't realize how many people were harmed by it. I would go to the porn convention, sign autographs, meet the fans, you know, and I thought, like, this is great, but now that I'm on the other side, the endless amounts of emails that we get of people that are just struggling and how it's desensitized people, even people that watch these, uh, you know, the young girls, it's like pedophilia scenes. It's an 18-year-old girl, barely 18, with a 50-year-old man, and now those scenes aren't filling them so now they're chasing after little girls and it's just the, the amount of emails the marriages that are being destroyed it's like it, it's just I I go okay like this is really an issue and maybe there's people that never go down that path and they just dabble in it every now and again okay like but but what about all these other people that are really being hindered by it like it's 
it's I think that it's more harmful to people than it is helpful. And I think that we could go back to, to, you know, better times where people are actually having sexual experiences with their spouse, spouse versus trying to learn sexual education on pornography. And, and I just see how it's destroying people. I had somebody, I was on a com conversation with a woman where her husband was, was, had turned to like bestiality. And I know that's extreme, but you get these kinds of emails and calls on a daily basis, you know? So it's it's really devastating and heartbreaking, and that's why uh, that's why there's that. Like I know I believe in free will, like I really do. I believe people could do what they want, but it's like, is it really benefiting society? Is it really? I mean, I would. Say you guys so. say you guys <laughs> yeah. would say it is, but I I really getting so I don't into believe it is watching humans have sex that you end up watching an animal have sex. I'd never even thought about that pipeline. Like that's that's got to be a pretty fucking wild dude in the first place. If like a chick's not enough for you, and you that's what, I kind of wonder too. It's like brutal, because like. Though. That porn no, well, desensitizes you, and well, it creates dysphoria. I it like I don't know rare, any right? rectile dysfunction. How many male performers have to take Viagra or shoot up their? Yeah, know, but those are performers, get... but that's different than like people that just watch porn. But right? even your everyday people, I did escorting too, and I knew people that couldn't even get erect without taking Viagra because they'd watch so much porn, they were desensitized. Is it really because they watch so much porn though? Or I feel like there is a whole host of other issues that could be going on as well, especially for people that are paying for escorts or whatever, probably yeah. living somewhat exceptional lives too, right? I think. You know, there's so many studies coming out around the impact of big tech on, on teens and the addictive nature of social media. Mm -hmm. And like we are in a generation of a social experiment. And when it comes to porn, like the reference of magazines earlier, like the kind of content that got even like the content of free porn, the videos that are available, um, like and, and the age of which children are being exposed to this, like brains are not um wired to handle the content they're seeing. It is traumatizing children. It is causing all kinds of very troubling addictions, mental health problems. Um, uh, there's studies showing the increase of depression and anxiety, suicidal ideation. Um, it impacts young boys differently to young girls. But I think we have to all acknowledge in the room that there are harmful aspects to porn, especially if you're exposed as a child. We made a documentary about this as well called Raising on Porn. Um, and I think we're... We're not coming from a place where we're we're wanting to criminalize people who do porn or try and mm. ban it in a, in this sort of. I mean, come on now. We we know unless demand for porn goes away, the porn industry is still going to exist. But I think we can all come together, and that's what I'm interested in. We can fight all day about our differences in opinions and beliefs on certain things, but we this country is in an urgent urgent situation right now, and I think that if we can come together with some regulations that we can disagree on some things on when it comes to certain ideology but there are things that we this is probably the most unifying issue even in this country right now of um, child sexual abuse material human trafficking and how do we protect people from being exploited online the, the porn industry is woefully unregulated in my view it's been protected for many years by different laws and policy and I've sat in a room even a few weeks ago here in Hollywood where they were talking about pushing back on policy and age verification policy had just passed that week in Louisiana and the only talk was how do we overturn it? How do we resist any kind of government um, accountability? And that's troubling. When, when there's so much money involved at the expense of people, there has to be regulation and accountability. I mean, from my perspective, like I, I quite frequently have the conversation with people in the adult industry about how impressive it is the way that the adult industry regulated itself and like instituted mandatory STD screening where we all are, are in the same system and we could very easily verify that. And I think that that was a good example of the, the porn industry not wanting to be regulated. So they came together and like did a great job of regulating themselves. And I mean, testing every two weeks. 
still a lot of risk. A lot of people in yeah. Yeah. go out and have sex with people at a bar and then get chlamydia and then bring it around but HIV. To be honest, like STD outbreaks in the porn industry are pretty rare, and it's like the the HIV outbreaks, for instance, is only like a couple of times I can remember that becoming an issue. Usually, it's like chlamydia and gonorrhea, things that are pretty minor. Yeah. I mean, I think most people, myself included, are pretty happy with the, the state of testing in the, the porn industry. I mean, when I was in porn, I fought for condoms, and it, it really got, Not there I. was a huge pushback because, you know, those types of scenes aren't going to sell. So it's really mm. all about the money. It's not about regulating the industry. Well, well but I, it's both, right? Well, it's also just the fact that, like, you don't want to drive porn customers underground, right? Because if, if, if everybody had to be wearing a condom on Pornhub, then almost certainly there would be some kind of Pornhub uh, competitor that would pop up and, like, take their entire market share. And you could kind of say that about uh, almost everything that, you might seek to sort of eliminate is like you'd be pushing people to the dark web people right now who would have no reason to go there and we all know about all the other crazy shit that's on there i mean they're gonna go there anyway like if they've been desensitized by porn and i mean construction workers have to wear hard hats i don't see why the industry shouldn't be a little more regulated at the very least but do you think that if uh if me and my wife want to film porn together where we don't wear a condom that that's outside of the that that should be somebody else's choice i mean just say yes, bite the bullet. <laughs> Shut up for our condom. No, I mean, I wasn't going to say it's you and your wife. I mean, I... Right. I don't, I don't know. Oh, so now you want porn stars to marry each other to get around the Yeah, rules. you guys need to all What's marry each other or it's not allowed. No, I, I, I mean, I don't know. That's just something I was fighting for when I was in the business. That question's never been brought to my, um, you know, I've never thought that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to I me, think to that it does need to be more regulated. STDs <laughs> were very common when I was in that business. HIV, I probably saw maybe three. The last one was really bad with uh, syphilis. There was a performer. Did you hear about that? Oh, what he was faked name? his test. What? what? What was their name? I forget. Uh, Can I say it? Well, it's all over the internet. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Marcus. Right, yeah. I seen him do an interview yeah. about it the other day. Yeah. Yeah. So he faked his test and then, you know. I mean, the whole thing I can't get away from is just the fact that I think two people should be able to get into any kind of agreement they want to perform a service. And so, like, you know, a guy could pay a woman to have sex with him on camera and make a video of it. And uh, there's nothing that I could think of that would make sense for why I shouldn't be able to pay this guy and this girl to have sex and for me to then distribute it and sell it. And I think that that, that ultimately is the thing that everybody in the porn industry is kind of scared of, is that people like you guys are ultimately that's where you would like to get society is to the point where it would be impossible for people to take part in that kind of thing. I mean, that's not my fight with lovealwaysministries.com. We help people that are addicted, that recognize they're addicted and want help. And we help performers that want out, that feel like they're stuck. So, I mean, that's, I'm not like fighting that porn got shut down. That's not the battle that I feel that I've been called to. Um, but in an, in an ideal and perfect world, would I say that it should all be shut down? Probably. I don't think it's when you guys were petitioning the credit card people, and I'm, I don't know the details of this, were you petitioning them to have more stringent regulations enforced on Pornhub, or were you petitioning them to drop Pornhub? Um, we were making them aware that there was illegal videos and that they were the payment, payment processor, and we, we were hoping that they would put pressure. And what MasterCard eventually said was, we won't um, process payments with any adult sites unless they verify age or consent. And I thought that... Um, it hasn't properly really been implemented, but I think it's pretty ironic if we're having the largest credit card companies in the world be um, like the ethical um, boundary makers because the industry isn't willing to do it themselves. Um, at the, the time that 
Facebook had 15,000 moderators, YouTube had 10,000 moderators, Pornhub had between 20 and 30 moderators, according to a whistleblower who went on the record. And I think that if you're having to moderate around 2,000 videos a day, um, so much is gonna slip through the cracks. And we we just felt the urgency when, um, you know, when, like the reason that we are more critical of, of, of porn is probably because of the, the number of victims that we've, heard from and spoken to who felt that this has ruined their life and a video yeah. of them being raped or trafficked. And for that to be online, knowing that people are watching it every day, downloading it every day, making money off it. This website is, is um, heartlessly making money off of the worst experience of their life. Like, I can't imagine anything more traumatizing or like a personal invasion. And that's, that's really not okay. And we just saw Pornhub absolutely resisting any kind of accountability all year. And so I was, I was glad when the credit cards stepped up and I had someone from the porn industry, a director, call me and say, I actually lost money when the credit card companies cut ties, but I don't blame you guys. You, you guys were the watchdog in this situation. I blame Pornhub. It's their fault. If they'd implemented these regulations from the start, we wouldn't even be here. So we found ourselves in this kind of watchdog position. And sometimes that's what it takes um, because when, when money becomes the priority over people, um, and these people, you know, they've made millions and millions of dollars. Like I think it was over $400 million in 2021 was Pornhub alone. Uh, the, the CEO had a, a $20 million mansion and they were riding high there. Uh, Luxembourg is where their headquarters are. There's a lot of, you know, reason to believe there's offshore money. Um, there's some shady stuff going on. And we just began to like pull back um, the bonnet or the hood and expose what was happening. But hearing from survivors who'd been underage exposed and the Canadian Parliament um, brought some of them in. Um, it was on an online hearing and they were really, really shocked and horrified and like, guys, are you not gonna take accountability for the fact that a 13 year old uh, being sexually abused was on your site? And they, their, their response was completely denial and really hard hearted. And that, I, I was even kind of shocked. I don't, I don't know why I should have been, but I, I saw very little compassion and very little accountability. Um, and we're, we're, we're doing this work because we care about people. I've done outreaches at the avian porn conventions as well. We care about the women in the industry. Um, most of my background is assisting women in all areas of the sex industry. And I know Brittany's done a lot of outreach like that of women on the streets in prostitution, um, strip clubs, massage parlors, um, on, online. We've gone to different nations and exposed trafficking rings and seeing the kind of the worst of the sex industry. So from the position we're coming from is seeing the worst of the exploitation, the worst of the harm. And when you hear those stories, it, it changes you. You feel this urgency that there has to be change. Like we're fighting for change because of the lives that have been destroyed. Um, and I think like, I know a lot of people in the porn industry really hate Exodus Cry. And I just hope that they can hear my heart and our heart that we're in this work to help people and that we love people in the industry and we're, um, we do this work because we want to help stop exploitation. We see a lot of exploitation in the sex industry um, and that is what we're, we're fighting. And we see that um, a lot of men who purchase trafficked women, it's from the overflow of a, um, of a fantasy and a porn addiction. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that every uh, person who watches porn becomes a sex buyer, but if every sex buyer of a trafficked individual has a long history of porn, and I used to live in Cambodia, and so the fact that in Pornhub's top 10 searches, Japanese, Korean, and Asian, like there's clearly an incentive of creating this fantasy and teenage girls in Cambodia and Thailand are then being trafficked because there's never enough willing women to go into this. So there's all, that's why trafficking exists. How and do because you, we come from that, that's, 
I hope that gives some context. How do you wrestle with the data that shows that, like, in places like Portugal, where they start to legalize, like, all types of porns, you see, like, sexual assaults and sexual violence start to decrease? Wouldn't you expect it to, like, increase if you're seeing, like, legalization? When you say legalize porn, because porn's legal mm -hmm. here in the States. Sure. And, and play, so I think Portugal was the the big city that I saw where they, where they basically let people watch all sorts of types of porn, and you saw, like, um, sexual violence start to decrease as they remove, like, barriers to this stuff. Um, Portugal is the biggest uh, country that I know, but I feel like there have been a couple different studies on this where when porn is made more widely available, um, it doesn't reduce um, like just like people having sex, but in terms of specifically like sexual violence, like rapes and sexual assaults, you start mm -hmm. to see these fall. I'd love to see that study in a few years, mm -hmm. like after they've been watching it long term and see if they've been desensitized and see if, you know, those scenes no longer fill them and then they have to go recreate them. But isn't that kind of like our understanding of America is or the you hear people constantly say this is that the average young American male is just watching porn and that's why they're they're not having sex like I, I feel like watching porn is probably a pretty good like if you want people to have less sex porn seems like it, it probably does a pretty good job at that right there was a study on uh, around 3,000 people that showed that you were five times more likely to be sexually aggressive if you watch porn they did two sample studies of people who don't watch porn people who do um, I what? think that 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 so I think that's a really interesting point because I think that um, for some people watching porn does m uh, make them less likely to pursue a relationship in person. Japan is a fa fascinating case study. Mm. I was there four years ago, and at the time when I was there, because of you know the developments and advancements in technology in Japan, they are in a position culturally right now where they have the lowest. Um, uh, like sex, marriage, and birth rate to the point that when I was there, the government was paying for up to three dates for couples to have up to three dates because they're so desperate to encourage people to get married and have kids. And I'm not advocating that that is um, the cultural answer in society, but I think as civilization, um, if if you're having only a relation, a sexual relationship with pixels rather than people. I'm sure we'd all agree that isn't a healthy direction for society. Yeah, I think we all agree. But I, it just seems weird that in some places where porn is super prevalent, men aren't going out and abusing women. They're doing the opposite. Um, they're staying at home and they're not doing anything. So it feels like there's a different driver for sexual violence or other things than just porn. And then um, w one thing that, um, and this is why it's so, every time we go over any of these studies on stream, I have to like, re we've got to read the methodology. When you say that like there's a higher proclivity for sexual aggression, a study. What I'm always curious about is when they say sexual aggression, what does that mean? Because sometimes the way that they define things, like sexual aggression, in my mind, almost sounds like rape. But sometimes sexual aggression might be like, um, like spanking a girl without asking during a sexual encounter, which is not the best. But it's like it puts things on a way different scale depending on on how you view like the methodology of a particular study. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say anything on that scale is still problematic. But I'm happy to pull it up after and send it to you. Sure. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of curious about how you feel like porn and uh, trafficking are interconnected because I'm not really aware of the link or I don't know anybody who's really been a part of that, I don't think, mm -hmm. but uh, you guys talk about it a lot. Like, like, how do you feel that the two intersect? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'd love to hear Brittany's answer on this as well. Um, like I mentioned before, we, we made a, a documentary actually on men who buy sex and every man that we interviewed um, talked about their exposure to porn as children. And again, I know that not everyone who watches porn becomes a sex buyer, but a common denominator in every man who became a sex buyer was underage porn, exposure to porn and this becoming an addiction in a long-term way that then eventually led them to make the decision to go out and, and, and saying 
the pixelated fantasy was not enough. I wanted to experience in real life what I was seeing in porn. I wanted my own porn star or sex slave experience with a real person. And I know I could, I could pay someone and I'm buying their time, but I'm really buying access to rent their body. And so we see um, when a man is buying a woman in the sex industry, he has no idea if she's trafficked or not. He's not checking her paperwork. Are you over 18? Are you under 18? Do you have a pimp? Do you not have a pimp? So wherever demand exists, um, there are, there are um, people who are there against their will or an element of fraud, force, or coercion. So that the, the link with demand is one link. Um, the fact that as far as porn sites being distributed, um, trafficking victims, uh, the majority of trafficking victims that we've worked with in recent years said that filming their abuse was one part of the exploitation because their pimps and traffickers knew um, not only if I do I sell this girl out to different individuals, but if I film it, I can upload that content. And whether that's on a porn site or in a black market or dark web situation, um, filming the abuse of trafficked individuals is becoming um, increasingly common. And so the fact that we were hearing from trafficked individuals and survivors that their that videos of them were being uh, uploaded onto sites like Pornhub, there's currently 194 victims suing Pornhub for illegal non-consensual videos of them. Um, and that's that's the tip of the iceberg. It takes a lot of courage to, to be a plaintiff in a lawsuit like that. And then even in the um, the legal porn industry, or um, that there are mixed in with consensual videos, there's a lot of non-consensual videos. And so that's what it's hard to know because you could be watching a video of a rape fantasy, but you how do you actually know if it's rape or not rape? Um, and even the, the experiences of a lot of women on set would be legally classified as uh, trafficking. If there's an element of coercion in, in the, um, the consenting process, um, if, she was under the, uh, if she was under the influence of a trafficker or pimp who was uh, coercing her to get into porn, and I've done outreach at the legal brothels in Nevada and there were trafficking victims um, who we've worked with later who said my trafficker would send me as a punishment to those legal brothels. So just because it has the brand of it being legal, it doesn't always mean that there isn't an element of force, fraud, or coercion. And those are the elements um, legally um, that define trafficking. So the, the consent process, even in porn, and I'd love to hear yeah. your experience of that. To me, there's always further that should, like further regulations that need to happen to ensure people are protected um, from being trafficked, even on sets. Yeah, I mean, I've never met a man that was buying a woman or buying myself that... Um hadn't watched porn so like that's what led them to that point um and the last three three or three and a half years that I was in the business I did have a pimp so like I mean I had to make my money you know I had to my uh it was a thousand dollars a day was my bare minimum so I had to get that somehow and Whether he would take all your money yeah he took yeah. all my money mm -hmm. yeah. yeah I mean I don't know it's just kind of like like that is terrible of course but it also just doesn't really seem all that related to the porn industry like of course there's gonna always be guys trying to insert themselves into situations where they think that they can make money but i wouldn't say that that's exclusive to porn or that there's i, I mean i i've never even really heard of a, a porn chick having a pimp yeah they're not gonna tell you they you know it's their boyfriend right, yeah. or their fiance like i never in the porn industry was like this is my pimp everyone like no this is my fiance we're engaged we're gonna get married 
I'm just so used to girls in the porn industry having more power than the guys. And if anything, they're the ones who are basically like, you know, dangling the fucking carrot in front of him and just sort of making him do what they please. Because the the industry has kind of changed a lot in the sense that the girls are genuinely rich at this point. Whereas when you hear something from like, you know, Alana Rhodes or Mia Khalifa, it's like they got into the industry right at the end of the studio porn era before girls started making all this money off OnlyFans. So they might be genuinely upset about their experience or whatever but they also probably have a little bit of resentment due to the fact that if they had started doing the same thing like three years later they probably would have made millions off of their content from older friends that i had that did porn i feel like the studio porn era was insanely exploitative yeah because like, they the were making so much more money and literally paying them the same amount that they get like, right now yeah you'd get like fifteen hundred dollars to do like yeah. scenes where you're doing like triple it's like and you don't you don't get royalties you don't own any of the content and you're just like fuck and then now you look at girls on OnlyFans who will take pictures of like their belly button piercings and get paid like ten thousand dollars for a request picture um i i what you say is i think it is true and i think that needs to be marked that the industry for porn has come a long way where I and it sounds weird, and I know there are rad fams and and, and swerfs. I think they call them uh, anti-sex worker. Swerfs, yeah, yep. or sex worker, anti-radical feminist, whatever. But, I don't um, identify, but it sounds cool. Sure. Where the, it feels like sometimes there's a bit of a mixture of like putting it all together, and I do feel like women in porn today, when they're doing it, are like so much more empowered. Um, in terms of like the freedom they have to navigate, in terms of going on Twitter and blowing people up, in terms of controlling their own income streams or whatever, has changed pretty significantly. Yeah, but that kind of sounds like me in a strip club just trying to take control back too, you know? Well, but they're getting control back. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> That's are, a good thing though, right? At the end of the day, you just work at the strip club. Like their OnlyFans account, like granted, like yeah. OnlyFans could just yank their account out from under them, but it's pretty unlikely for the most part. They don't really answer it to anybody and yeah. really kind of controlling their own destiny. I'd like to hear their stories. When I, because when I was in the industry, I would always ask like, hey, what's your story? Like, how'd you get into porn? Like... And I, everybody had some sort of an upbringing that was dysfunctional, whether it was like like the over overly religious parents that beat their head, beat them with the head over the, or beat them with the Bible over the head, and they're like, oh, you know, you're gonna go to hell, so might as well do whatever I want. Um, or you get the people that did have molestation in their lives, or you know, verbally or physically abusive parents, or the dad never being there. Like there was always a story. Like yeah, the, they always had a story. This is like. Everybody, though, right? Yeah, like, but you, we, like you just said, choose porn when you have like I, I don't know anybody that's ever chose porn that was like they really had a good upbringing, loving parents. Like I personally don't know anybody. Yeah, but I mean, how many people do we know? You? Yeah, good. Uh, for you. Pretty good upbringing. And I, I could say the same thing on my girl. She's like, you know, pretty I good feel like a lot of people you talk to had like mommy issues, daddy issues, yeah. like dumb shit that happened. But not just in porn, like everywhere. I feel like you can find all these people all over the place. And I feel like we do a bit of a selection bias. So, for instance, you say when I escorted for men, all of these men started with porn right yeah if i look at guys that use racial slurs online i bet all of them watch porn if i look at murderers i bet all of them have watched porn if i look at like current u.s politicians i bet all of them watch like nearly, everybody watches porn yeah, like nearly 98 percent yeah gonna watch porn so i feel like you can start with it. if you want to say that porn is like a gateway to like bad behavior it's probably a gateway to literally almost everything but i don't think it's like causal like they started porn and now they have to escort it's more just like they were sexually interested and porn was there but even absent the porn i feel like a lot of these guys would have gotten into it anyway like buying porn or doing other weird things just because porn is so ubiquitous among society like it's probably a lot of good people and bad people that watch porn i would imagine 
Yeah. I mean, when I think about like banning porn or like changes in the legal status of it, I think about the, the version of prostitution that I've seen in Los Angeles versus the version that I've seen in Amsterdam, where you're walking around the red light district and they have these little booths and there's like security cameras in the corner and everything's regulated. All these girls have to get tested and check in with the government, et cetera. And it's like, I understand there's very low amounts of violence associated with it. And in Los Angeles, if you want to get a prostitute on the street, it's just literally like a fucking street crawling with chicks who are literally on meth and fucking crazy ass pimps will shoot you if you fuck around and it's like infinitely worse and more dangerous because it's taking place in public on a street to say nothing of like the homeowners who have to live there or the kids who have to walk to school past that kind of shit um so to me it's like more regulation probably seems like the solution not just making something illegal because you're just going to drive it underground or in the yeah. case of la it's not really that well, underground the cops see it, it the cops just... know you know i yeah. do think you got to be really careful though you have to be very 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 careful and i fight with porn people to do this, you have to be really careful not to conflate porn with prostitution mm. because I think with prostitution, it's really, really, really hard sometimes to figure out who's being trafficked. And I, there are brothels in Germany where they go in and it's like 90% of the women there are trafficked. But like, if a woman is coming up to you and she's saying, like, Oh, I want to work here, I'll fill out whatever paperwork, blah, 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 like, there might be a guy behind that that's pushing it. And you, like, you don't even know, even from a regular point of view, it's like, How do you even find out right. some of these women are being and trafficked? Even in, in Amsterdam, a lot of the women behind the windows are from Eastern Europe. I was yeah, in, I was Eastern in both Europe, Germany Romania, and, and, and Ukraine. Yeah. Exactly. I was in Germany and Amsterdam last year, and I think it is a bit of a facade. Um, saying it's it's regulated, it makes it safer for the women. Um, you can never actually make prostitution fully safe because a lot of the violence is internal and the PTSD. Um, we provide therapy, trauma therapy for a lot of survivors and the, the internal violence of prostitution is often with having to split their psychological self and um, having two these, of these core identities and having to have sex with multiple people per day that you have zero desire for. Um, most people in prostitution around the world have a third party or a pimp. Um, like the, the ones who don't, we're talking about the most privileged people. Um, and if, you have a, if you're going into the sex industry by choice, that's already a privilege. Most people are yeah. not in it by choice. Most people have, uh, are being exploited. And so I feel like we have to legislate around the priority, the priority who should be the most marginalized, the most vulnerable, um, the people who are most at risk of being exploited. Um, the, the model that started in, in Sweden 23 years ago, I believe is the most progressive pro-gender equality law when it comes to prostitution, which decriminalizes prostitution for people being sold, offers them exit services if they want, and assistance and housing um, from the government. It's a phenomenal model, but it holds accountable pimps, third parties, brothel owners, and sex buyers, and it so it makes um, it a, a violent crime to buy sex, but decriminalizes it um, for people being sold. Um, and if you compare that model to Germany, um, like the largest study ever done by the London School of Economics, 150 different countries um, concluded that where you legalize or decriminalize prostitution fully, you increase demand. Always um, for sex trafficking. Right, and so where you increase demand, you have to increase supply. If there's a big demand, that's what incentivizes pimps to traffic girls. Um, if there were like w you know 20 women lined up to enter prostitution and work at their brothel, they wouldn't need to traffic anyone. Um, and so I feel, and I do outreach on on the streets here in LA and talk to to girls who are being pimped out by gangs. I've seen girls with braces on their teeth uh, who look really young, and um, I, yeah, I know they're not there by choice. Um, pornography is. Some people view pornography as it's prostitution with a camera in the room. It's very interesting to me that there's a lot of lo protective laws that come in um, as soon as you introduce a camera to this dynamic. But I do believe that the way that pornography 
should be regulated is different to prostitution. Um, so we don't put them in the same uh, category when it comes to how it should be regulated. I've seen, like I said, I brought up the Portugal thing. I've seen studies that usually show like positive or, or technically it's a negative correlation between like legalization or availability of pornography with sexual violence, where the sexual violence goes down when the pornography goes up. But when it comes to legalizing or regulating prostitution, I think almost across the board, it's always the strongest argument against legalization is that as prostitution becomes more legal and brothels open up and they're regulated, the trafficking almost always increases because now you've created a legal demand where more people can you know have have a demand for these types of women and they always seek to fill that from eastern european or other countries mm -hmm. i think when it comes to like sex work sex work is like the coolest thing ever to get into if you enjoy it because that's fucking awesome right. but it's the worst thing to get into if you don't have an option like the difference between i like to fuck and i want to sell it on camera versus the only way I can survive is by giving, like, man, I don't like access to my body is, like, worlds apart in terms of enjoyment, I think. Right, like, the, the two girls that we just had on together, don't you just completely get the vibe that they're just happy as pigs Yeah, they shit? like, yeah. Like, this and is exactly the what one, they feel like doing. Yeah, and I met How girls that are... been in the business? Uh, maybe, like, three years each, I would assume. Maybe a little less, even. But there, there are, you're, there are girls. But they girls. also haven't even shot studio porn. They're yeah, just OnlyFans some of them just do yeah. OnlyFans, and there are girls that are making like thirty, forty, fifty, one hundred thousand dollars a month doing yeah. sometimes lewd photos. But <laughs> they're not know, even showing you nipples. Know the and average stuff. age, on, uh, the average amount that someone makes on OnlyFans is 100, like one hundred and twenty bucks. One hundred fifty-one, one hundred fifty-one dollars a month. Um, and apparently the top 10% makes 73% of all the earnings. So it's really, again, like the top percent. That's true of every, that's money. true of all entertainment though, right? On YouTube, it's probably the top 5% of earners or 95% of the money. And I just feel like a lot of 16, 17 year old girls are hearing like you can make millions of dollars on OnlyFans mm -hmm. and it is, it's a myth. And yeah, so but I mean like what is the most fucking uh, requested job for kids in school today? Influencer. Yeah, yeah. fucking YouTubers. And most of them yeah. don't make I any money really either. that's really sad. Yeah. I think um, like, well, to be a content creator, it's pretty easy for me to understand why people would be envious of that lifestyle where you have like infinite autonomy. You get to make presumably a lot of money. You don't really have to do anything you don't want to do. I mean, I, it's pretty easy for me to see for the same reason why I wanted to be a rapper or an artist or whatever I wanted to be when I was a kid. And that's the hard thing, too, to fight against like all types of porn. And I know you guys are saying to make it illegal completely, but for the people that push against it, like there are women that genuinely just love to fuck and they like to do that type of stuff. And if they can turn that into making five figures a month, it's like, damn, if they've got the power to do it, like go for it. And then like, yeah, I, I would agree reiterating what you said and then on your stories, too, that like 20 years years ago it feels like if you were a woman in porn whew, that was like a rough time but today for women that are big on like only fans these are like the biggest fucking like boss babes in the world that like control all their shit they do they handle they've got their finances they're like dating guys that they end up taking care of <laughs> like they're like bouncing between guys sometimes because like the guy can't hold on to the fucking girl um and it really does feel like the that, that putting the ownership in the hands of like girls making their own porn has flipped a lot of that dynamic not to say that there's not still exploitation that goes on especially um when we talk about like things like brothels and stuff uh, especially in Europe. There's a lot of problems related but, to that. But thing. then you have the porn companies who basically have to rise to the occasion to make themselves useful to these girls. So you end up in a situation where the, the studios are quite often bending over backwards to like make girls happy and make sure that they have a good experience. Even from my experience, like I shot one professional scene for Pornhub and it's almost kind of annoying how many fucking uh, levels of consent they basically make you do where you have to hold up your idea talking to the camera and say, I'm not drunk or high or any, any kind of drug blah 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 because mm -hmm. they've thought about every fucking possible situation which is like what if I'm off 
five Xanax and I take a picture with my ID and I look sober, but if you, you know, you could presumably tell it from my voice or whatever, but mm -hmm. I mean, granted, that's just like a, a, probably just a studio that Pornhub contracted to shoot that scene. So it doesn't really say that much about them necessarily. But I do think that like OnlyFans has basically flipped the entire fucking dynamic on its head. And that's obviously like traffickers and, and stuff are still going to just use OnlyFans to like make more money or whatever when possible. But when you look at the legal side of porn, I feel like the past few years have been like all good for sure in, in terms of women and how they're able to exist in the industry. I think what sucks too is though when you evolve from that and like maybe you want to have a life change, like for me, for example, and other women that I know, it's like much of what you've done is on the internet. And it can't be removed. I had a girl that um, she paid a lawyer for one particular scene that she was extremely embarrassed of. Um, and they were able to get the scene removed. But because of screen recording and all these things, it's just right back up there. So, um, I mean, there's not a whole lot that somebody can do. It's like they've made this permanent decision and maybe a temporary place, you know, and... Um, and now everything's just stuck. It's just there. I think that's true, but I feel like the culture's changing a little on that. Like, I feel like when I was in high school, nude pictures were, like, the most unbelievable thing in the world. And if you had a nude leak, it's, like, the end of the world. Like, by the time I was in college, it's just, like, unfathomable. Whereas today, it feels like, obviously, nobody wants nudes of them leaked. But, like, nowadays, there will be, like, nude leaks in, like, entertainment and esports or whatever. And it's, like, it happens and people laugh. And then, like, three months later, I think people forget. Do you remember that, like, three years ago, people were threatening to leak, like, Jeff Bezos' dick or whatever, and he wrote that article. He was like, listen, somebody might leak my shit. I don't care. I'm not, like, bending over. And, like, people just, like, move on from it. Yeah. Whereas if that happened, like, 15 years ago, that would be, like, a crazy story. as well, though, it's, it's different for men. Like, men Definitely. can kind of laugh it off. When it happens to a woman, like, we've had women, like, leave the country because of how much they felt it was terrorizing their life. They lost jobs. Um, and the internet is forever. And a decision mm -hmm. you might make to put up a nude photo on OnlyFans at age 18 when you're trying to start a business five years later or it's impacting relationships. I've had a lot of people say, I, I can't date because I was in porn five years ago. And I just, I think there needs to be, like Japan passed a law um, a few months ago where um, you, you, if you do porn, you have four months to be able to consent if you want that to, um, to actually be up there. And I think more laws that are actually like for someone who's out of porn and wants to get those videos scrubbed, I think they need to, they should be able to. Um, um, and that that's might sound well, harsh or unreasonable, but I think it, it it's weaponized against women in a way that no other content well, is. Why is it different than any other art where if I make a movie and I pay somebody to because star not in the movie? They could have sex in that. Yeah, but I'd what's also, the difference? They've got paid to do a job. I would also say be careful on the leaking for porn shit because um, I felt like if a guy had his porn leaked, if he had a really small dick, I think it would be probably the worst thing in the world. I think worse even for women because that would be that guy would be fucked forever for that. Definitely the way that I get treated is like massively different than the way that my girl gets treated where I feel like I get almost no judgment from people mm -hmm. having done porn, whereas for my girl, it's clearly a significant thing. You know, it's definitely a, a huge double standard, but like, you know, the girls that we've signed for OnlyFans in the past, like we've kind of had conversations where it's like okay if you're gonna start doing porn you have to be prepared for this whole litany of different things you're gonna have to you know have family members who aren't gonna want anything to do with you you're gonna have to deal with you know picture yourself right now reading a facebook thread of like a hundred people that you went to high school with and they're all shitting on you and calling you a whore mm -hmm. you know just know that that kind of thing is probably gonna happen and that you're gonna have mm -hmm. to have thick enough skin to get past that you know it's gonna affect jobs or relationships or whatever and uh mm -hmm. you know like girls definitely need to be counseled on that and i could understand why it probably 
probably doesn't happen because if you're a porn director and you meet a young hot chick who's kind of on the fence, it probably doesn't behoove you to be like giving her all kinds of warnings and stuff. But I definitely think, I mean, that is something that maybe should be kind of formalized at a certain point that there could be some kind of like initiation, but yeah. also seems kind of unrealistic since most people start doing porn just in their bedroom. I feel like it, I don't know, for the message for young women, like the most empowering thing that you could do as a young woman is take off your clothes and have pictures of your body online, like capitalize your sexuality, commodify your sexuality. Um, do you feel, do you not feel any tension? Like, would you want your, your daughter to, to um, feel that that is the most empowering thing that she could do as a young girl? Definitely not the most empowering thing. And I definitely find it kind of disturbing when I hear chicks talking about how they were hyping up their OnlyFans while they were in high school and then they turn 18 and they already have like people just dying to sign up for it, which is just really kind of disturbing. But I mean, in terms of my, my kid, I mean, by the time she was legally able to make OnlyFans, it would be her decision and I would advise her that this isn't the kind of thing that you want to just jump into. You know, me and your mom got into this at a time when we really didn't have much money. You have every opportunity in the world afforded to you i wouldn't say that this is a good idea and i would just explain i would close a lot of doors and everything but ultimately by the time she was legally able to it wouldn't really be my decision right what's your like five or ten year goal like do you want to leave porn behind like what's your what's your end goal with this i mean i'm just having such a good time doing it that i, I probably am on my girl's clock where she would probably want to tap out before me so it's really just kind of a question of when she wants to stop, because I probably wouldn't keep doing it past when she wants to. So is she not enjoying it? Well, I'm like the rare unicorn. No, she's having a great time. But she, I'm the rare unicorn who was already objectively somewhat rich and doing quite well in their career and then also started to do porn. So I realized that like my experience probably has almost nothing to do with the average person since people don't seem to really like but get into porn. But I you said you guys didn't have money and that's why you started. That's well, what you would tell your daughter. comparatively. I mean, she didn't. She when she got into it, she went from working like a minimum wage type job to making you know tens of thousands of dollars a month in a pretty short period of time. And then for me, I definitely didn't have to do it, but I just saw it as an opportunity to get into a different industry as well. And obviously, when you're dating an OnlyFans creator, there's a pretty big uh, reason why you might want to get involved, since they wanted to have me on camera regardless. Have you guys seen it like hinder your relationship or your mental health or anything in any way? I mean, from her perspective, a bit just because, you know, she grew up with an eating disorder. And so it is kind of taxing at times for her to have her body image so tied up in uh, her career, you know, and especially given that she gave birth a couple of years ago, you know, obviously that was kind of tough to be able to like you know have to be focused on being a mom while also trying to work out and get your body back into shape or whatever so there was definitely some conflict there and she's she's kind of like ceased communication with a few family members or whatever not like close family members but for me i haven't had any of that my parents just don't mention it they're too polite they don't give a fuck i feel like for my wife is getting into like fansly i'm pretty sure she's gonna do only fans soon um and, she... and that means you're gonna get on camera Fuck no. I don't know if she'd actually do like boy girl, like mm. full on porn. I don't know if you can do that on OnlyFans, actually. Yeah. Only boy girl stuff? Of course. Oh, I don't fucking know. I feel like half the girls I know make like $10 million like taking pictures of their feet and their like tits. Like if in you a bra. If we have sex on OnlyFans, we would. We would have definitely talked about that. Oh, okay. Well, I for I, it's funny listening, like watching the difference in her life because um, before she did streaming, like I did, and she's pretty pretty successful for streaming. But it's like it's a lot of work. You got to be on camera mm. four to five hours a day. You have to be. You got to do a lot of work to stay relevant. But doing like photo shoots and stuff for fans, she'll do like one photo shoot 
for like 12 hours and then she's got material for like three weeks and the freedom in her life now where she can travel she can hang out you know i'm streaming all day and she's just like fucking jerking off around the house like hanging out or whatever because she doesn't have like the stress of constantly working that i mean i guess it sounds lame to say it's empowering but i mean like I mean, like, as lame as it is for me to say, like, I'm empowered when I go on, like, my stream and I talk to people and I get paid a lot of too much money probably for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there can be pros and cons to a lot of things. And sometimes we want to give porn or stuff like that, like, a really negative light. But, I mean, it can be freeing. Like, sometimes money can just be a means to an end of, like, having more freedom. And if the way that you can make money is by taking nudie pictures of yourself or posting it online, that might em empower you or enable you to do a whole bunch of other things in your life you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. I was interviewing this girl who, uh, this girl Coco Bliss, who's, she's, she was in high school, had no money, sleeping on people's couches and shit, and then she turns 18, makes an OnlyFans, doesn't post anything sexual, no nudity, whatever. She just got a fat ass, and she said she started making, like, $60,000 a month within, like, yeah, a couple of months and all of a sudden has a nice ass condo in Florida and shit. And I mean, I, I'm not trying to like sell people on the dream of like, oh, this could happen to you. Because that's exceptional. But she, yeah, she's she's got three million followers on TikTok or some shit. Clearly, she's more attractive than the average girl and uh, achieved a different level of success really quickly. But it was kind of like mind blowing to be sitting there realizing how much like taking booty photos was able to change her life in a short period of time. She went from like literally in poverty to mm -hmm. doing extremely well for herself. And and that. And to be clear, because I think this is really important when you say that, 10 years ago, she would have been a prostitute for disgusting fucking men on that path. But OnlyFans is, has changed the game, I think, a lot in terms of what level of engagement do you have with your sexuality, what level of contact do you have with your audience, and at what level of autonomy do you have to function in that world without having to have a pimp that's driving you to do like the worst types of sex work with the worst types of clients while stealing fucking 90% of your money while doing it, you know? I just feel it's like such a gaslight. Like, yeah, you go, girl, you take off your clothes for for. But men she doesn't money. really. Like she might have a. Well, but even if you do, well, what's wrong with it? Let's say you do. Let's well, say a lot of guys want to do it. He wouldn't even want his daughter to do it. So it's no, like, he said that wouldn't be a first option. Well, Listen, my kid says to me, "Dad, I want to do YouTube," and my answer is always, "You got to fucking get a bachelor's degree first, graduate college, motherfucker." Yeah. You're not starting a YouTube channel when you turn 18, and that's my job, and I make way too much money, and I love what I do, but damn, I, I want my kid to be like a fucking rocket scientist or like work at NASA or do some cool shit. Don't because shout at people on the internet that you would be proud of, right? Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm proud of myself for doing YouTube. Like, I think I do good work. I think I, or yeah. I like to think so. But, like, yeah, I mean, like, when we... It's different when we talk about our children because we think of our children as, like, I want you to be, like, a doctor or, like, a lawyer for, like, an environmentalist group, like, fighting to save the planet. Not, like... But, I mean, if you want to do porn or some shit, like, it's not the best thing, but it's better than, like, being a broke loser, I think, right? Like, if you had to choose between your daughter being, like... Like, I live with you until I'm 28 and I don't even have a job or sometimes I work at Starbucks or whatever right. versus, like, I have a really successful OnlyFans. Sometimes I fuck a cucumber, but I make, like, $150,000 <laughs> a month. Like, I mean, what are you choosing there? Like, fuck, yeah. listen, man, don't get any soft cucumbers, right? Fuck it. I don't know. I'd rather have my daughter, like, really respect herself and have integrity and work at Starbucks than... You know, no, but come porn. on. I mean, like, I, I think you can I, respect yourself and have integrity. Yeah, and do you porn, can totally respect yourself, have integrity, and do porn stuff. Why, I think you. Why, like, why is it that it's a career that it's just like, eh, you know, it's not like, oh, this, like, I'm so proud of you for doing porn. Like, you're amazing, daughter, for going out and, you know, having sex with all kinds of men or 
other women. Well, like, they're really good not... at. There are some porn stars that I look at and I'm like, you do really well, good that's work. Not your like your daughter. That's... that's not your daughter. Well, be, I don't think I could jerk off my daughter. I feel like I'd feel pretty Ooh. weird. But Jesus. <laughs> but well, okay. <laughs> but I'm saying. But hey, listen. My daughter gives a mean blowjob. I, I mean, like also, you know, good for you. Dear like, Lord. I, but I also feel like you, you get what I'm saying, right? But you like, kind of have to make it about the daughter thing in order for it to hit at all. Because the truth is, is that I just told you about a girl that I know who's in her early 20s who started doing OnlyFans, and I'm like happy for her and super proud of her. And I think that your daughter, right? I know, but like she's somebody's daughter. Yeah, and I, but I'm still I'm proud for I'm proud of her, and I'm happy that she did what she had to do in that situation. And the truth is, is that she if she went and got a job at Bojangles and made 400 bucks a week, then I probably would not be as proud of her. So objectively, I guess I am proud of Coco Bliss for getting into OnlyFans instead of fast food. Success is money. No, well, it's, it's not just it. money. It's I think it's like the freedom and, and personal everything that happiness. Us up. Yeah, yeah. Money is one of those things where like it, it doesn't matter once you're making a certain amount. But if you're trying to live off like three or four hundred dollars a month, I think you said you did it a little bit when you were in the United States waiting for your green card. That's a rough life, yeah. and there's a lot of shit in your life that gets fucked when you were making a very, very, very small amount of money. Um, things like getting a flat tire that ruined your finances for three fucking months, mm -hmm. or the fucking waking up and, and waiting to check your phone because you don't know if your fucking bill got shut off or not because you didn't pay your stuff. Um, there's definitely like stages of happiness where like once you're making like 40, 50, 60, 70,000 a year, you, like things open up a lot more. I don't think it's fair to say that your marketing is just by money, but like there are people that manage their OnlyFans careers and everything like very successfully. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really um, proud or respectful or whatever. Or for some girls have a really good hustle when it comes to managing their OnlyFans shit in ways that I would have expected only only men could run business. Like they're collaborating with a lot of people really well. Their posting schedules are really well. They hire people to manage like DMs and stuff. They're like promoting their stuff in a really intelligent way. Like all these people, like it's a full on business for them. And I think yeah. I think it is pretty respectful, right? So yeah. when I'm, I was in porn, you know, I'd make about thirty grand a month plus escorting, so I could make anywhere from a hundred to a hundred to 150,000 a month. You must have um, been working your ass off. Well, I was going to New York. I mean, overnights are 10 grand, so well, okay. you know, you add all that up. But anyways, um I battled with a lot. I was not happy and I was making a lot of money. And then I left porn, found God, started working at this little job making $11 an hour, but one thing I had was joy, peace, happiness. Like I was so content. My bank account, like I did get a tire that popped and you know, I had like $800 saved in my account, but guess what? I was so happy. And that's just like a start. That was just a starting point. Like I mean, I'm I'm doing better now thankfully, mm -hmm. but like back then, like I really had to struggle financially, but I still had peace and I still had had happiness because of mm. my relationship. With sure. That. But I mean, like you said before that you were not happy and you were earning a lot of money doing porn. Mm -hmm. You know what sucks even more than being not happy and rich? It's being not happy and broke, <laughs> okay? That really sucks. And I know a lot of girls working at Starbucks, working at McDonald's who might be doing that until they're 35 years old. And if you're like, listen, you well, could make $50,000 a month. You could make $50,000 a month for one year. However, mm -hmm. listen to these drawbacks. You, Your pictures might be of you on the internet forever. Your family might have Like, before I even finish, they've already signed the contract. Like, give me the fuck out of this life. <laughs> like, there are a lot of people who be like, listen, yeah, have pictures. Like, my family fucking hates me anyway. <laughs> like, fucking sign me up, yeah. you know? Um, again, not to say that it's, like, the best thing in the world, but I, I feel like... There's a, there's a bit of a, a, a logical fallacy. There's a bit of a weird thing that goes on when we say, like, well, what, imagine your daughter or your mom. Well, it's because, well, this is like masturbation, like jerking off shit. Like, I don't know if I could ever imagine like my daughter or my mom in this position because it's kind of weird. Um, 
I guess it's but, the, the human element of like a person you love and care about and want their best interests. Mm -hmm. No, life. because I love and I care about my wife and I'll jerk off to pictures of her all day. There's a difference for your daughter or your mom though because you don't You're see not them sexually. Sexualizing your family. I mean, you'd be yeah, yeah, your your mom or your daughter, you wouldn't sexualize. I mean, you'd be horrified seeing your kid have sex at all. You'd be horrified seeing your parents have sex. You know that they're doing it. Or yeah. that they're eventually going to do but it. But I don't it's think just... that speaks to the morality or the immorality, of it, right? Yeah. Like my dad is like fucking railing my mom, and I'm like, dad. That's my mom. What are you doing? You if know, I like walked in on my dad fucking my mom, it would probably be one of the most <laughs> horrific things I've ever seen, even though I literally know that that's how I came to exist. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I know people who are in the porn industry right now who've been in it for years and have been like, I made a ton of money, but like, I don't want to be part of this industry anymore. And even circling back to the conversation earlier about human trafficking, I think of like... Ron Jeremy, even Rocco Cipretti, certain, um, like, not just in the U.S., but all over um, Europe, uh, Max Hardcore, directors, producers, performers who are in porn, um, like, the stories of real violence and real trafficking are being exposed, and people even in the porn industry are like, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing a whole other side to it. I don't want any part of that. And it, sometimes it's like it doesn't matter how much, how many millions you make, um, if you see that your own industry or your own company is um, turning a blind eye to trafficking, that, that that's that's pretty intense. And the, the situation mm -hmm. earlier, me, so the first three years, I was on a non-working visa, so I was 100% a volunteer at our organization, raised some sponsorship from England. But I, I would I would do that all over again. Like, it was my absolute joy. I did it because I, I was able to, I, I couldn't believe I got three volunteer visas in a row to be able to, um, assist and serve in the thing that I was most passionate about and fighting uh -huh. trafficking. And I think if you're able to find a thing that you would do for free because you love it that much, like that's a goal in life. Like forget that's a the lot. Money. That's some women that get into porn though, right? I think I, that, there are some older porn stars that I talked to, even the ones that worked in a professional porn were like, and I was like, why the fuck did you get into this? Like, what were you thinking? It's like, well, I fucked a lot for free anyway. Like, why wouldn't I get paid for it? Um, and I and I understand what you're saying there in, in terms of um, or, what, were you, what were you gonna say? I, I don't even think I quivered my lips, but yeah, I'll say something. Um, I thought you were, I heard a breath. <laughs> that's how we communicate. So we're, so, we're so tapped in. Uh, fuck, dude. I don't know. I didn't even have anything. Or if I did, oh, I lost shit. it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard you breathe and say something. I don't want to cut you what off. What were you about to say? Um, I, was, what, I had a whole bunch of different ideas stewing around the things that I could potentially well, say there. Talking about people in the industry who've left. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Violence. I was gonna say not to not, not to be the radical feminist on the fucking group, um, but Go especially being in my fucking industry. Um, listen, a lot of men are fucking trash, are fucking horrible rapists, are disgusting fucks in the given power. Um, I think that we we spotlight the porn industry sometimes on that, but I think that's like men in power almost everywhere. Look at Harvey Weinstein. Those women weren't porn actors. Those were just fucking actors, and they had guys that were taking advantage of them. The Ron Jeremy stuff and others, that shit is fucking horrible, and it's mm -hmm. disgusting, um, but it's not just porn. That's like a lot of men in power. Um, if I draw parallels to, to where OnlyFans is today, it actually reminds me a lot of, I used to be a professional video game player, uh, believe it or not. Still is. And um, when I look at the older video game contracts we had, and when I look at like the older YouTube contracts, I don't know if you've ever heard of Machinima, mm -hmm. there are people that were groveling. We would play games 16 hours a day, and we felt we were the luckiest guys in the world. If you had like a $500 a month salary playing video games in 2011, you'd made it. It was like the dream. Sounds like being a pro BMX rider as well. Yeah, but now when we look back on it retrospectively, we're like, we were doing fucking slave labor while these guys were getting rich off of us. It was horrible. But yeah. like the a lot of the self-driven content, so being able to get paid on YouTube, being able to get paid on OnlyFans, I feel like it's radically changed the industry, and I feel like the conversations need to... 
evolve to, to reflect where the industry is, I guess. Because I, I don't think it's fair to say that like every OnlyFans girl is this like sexually molested, traumatized woman that's going to hate her fucking future based on the fact that she did OnlyFans, especially as much as the culture is changing in terms of acceptance of it. So for a teenage girl who's like ambitious and driven and wanting to make money and she's kind of business minded, like, would you advise young girls to, or teenage girls that this is a, a good career? It depends on where it's, I think it depends on what your interests are. Like if you've got interest in like engineering and, and uh, you know, or you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, I think you should pursue that. But if you, if you feel like you can manage like content and business and influencing really well and you do well on TikTok or whatever, and if you don't mind people like seeing you nude, if you don't feel like that's going to be a big like divide between you and other people in your life and you can manage that, if you want the money, there are some costs associated with it. But if you want the money, holy shit, there's a pot of gold there for you to successfully pursue it. Um, I guess it just depends on where, where you're at in life and, and how much your finances mean to you and what that means to you. you I know. think earlier, I think it was you, Adam, who mentioned it, like for so, before someone gets into the industry, knowing some of the risks. Because I think out, of, like out of any industry, like, yeah, I mean, we've, we've interviewed people whose their vaginas were torn on set, the blood was cleaned up and they had to go to the next scene. Um, like they had physical injuries from some of the violence on sets. And I know that isn't every scene, but that is increasingly um, an increasingly interesting um, or common popular trend um, and genre. And I think a lot of people get into porn uh, age 18, 19 and have no idea exactly what they're signing up to. And the psychological and the physical risk of having sex with multiple people and gangbangs and multiple penetration, um, like this is really serious. This isn't the normal everyday sexual experience. And the porn industry creates this fantasy. Um, and we interviewed a girl whose first boyfriend, age 16, um, demanded that she did this sex act with him where he would punch her in the face, there'd be a nosebleed and he'd finish on her face. And she was utterly terrified. He was like, but this is like normal. Like, I, see, I see this in porn all the time. And he showed her this porn. And to if him you guys want a campaign <laughs> against that specific behavior i'm all in with you, you because that is yeah. the weirdest thing i, I ever heard like that's but so, I where watch, is this coming i from? watch so much porn and i never see this type of stuff and when i think of like the most popular porn, it's like the stepbrother stuff it's like the milf stuff it's like the looking at each i feel like this more hardcore porn where is this fucking shit when i look at the main porn over. studios the most extreme shit that they shoot is anal and like gangbang yeah. type stuff where it the dudes don't appear to be being particularly aggressive in the scenes for my i just experience. i feel i don't know where the more extreme shit is because I'm on the front page of of X Hamster of porn. I don't know if I can shout these guys out. I don't want to shout out your competitors. Only but all these, <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. yeah. When, or I don't know if you do violent porn, but yeah, no. when I look like <laughs> overwhelmingly, it feels like ninety percent of the most popular porn is pretty vanilla. If we're if we're including anal, it's pretty vanilla. That's what it feels like. But it's then I feel like whenever I talk to yeah, I'll show it? you the studies after. We actually the third episode of the trilogy that comes out in a couple of weeks in March March twenty third. The entire episode is all about the hardcore violence in yeah. porn and the impact on performers, um, that real bodies, real lives, but the the dangerous ideas of of rape fantasy and um, and BDSM and gangbang scenes. And there was even a uh, a woman we interviewed. There there were guys that weren't even tested for STDs who showed up on this twenty man gangbang set. There'd been an an online ad online. That's like an exceptional. Not in this day and age. That's exceptional. So. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that the videos that are uploaded to Pornhub, like are, a lot of them are user generated and are well, created I, in all kinds of ways. I thought they got rid of all of them. Now you have now the verification. Well, you're just talking about Pornhub. I'm talking uh -huh. about all porn. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, yeah, because you mentioned porn. Yeah. Were you gonna say something? 
<laughs> they just did the same thing. We I know. <laughs> no. so, I was, but then you kept talking, and then I lost the thought. Yeah, she said like the same thing. I was something saying. I was gonna say too that you brought I think, up. Oh, it was about the abusive scenes. Like, oh. just no. There, it was mostly a lot of the Gonzo scenes. Like, you wouldn't have seen like a lot of the the higher end. They weren't really doing them, but a lot of Gonzo companies were doing abusive scenes. There's one in San Francisco, um, in particular that I mean, they'll hang you on an upside cross and whip you, and you know, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. So. But I mean, at least from my experience in porn, like maybe that happened during your time in the industry, but now the level of analysis and just description of what's going to happen is usually pretty intense. Like the, the companies know exactly what they're doing. We have a whole no conversation before we film anything. And the girls usually will just say stuff that is obvious, like don't put your finger in my ass, which I would never do without it being discussed in advance anyway. Or they might say my fucking hair is, is fake. Like don't pull it or I need my makeup for mm -hmm. something I'm doing later tonight or whatever. So, I mean, from at least from my perspective, the way we go about it, it would be hard for me to imagine going about it in a more consensual way and i'm pretty sure that most of the mainstream studios are going about it in the same way where they were they really want to address anything that you don't want to do in advance so that you don't have to cut on scene and talk so about that it was that was my experience too where i was in control of what i did right? right but that doesn't mean that just because i agreed to an abusive scene now somebody's watching it you know a 10 year old 11 year old even an 18 or 19 year old and now they're going and recreating the abusive scenes that i agreed to you yeah, that would I mean? be a problem if that was happening. Yeah, but it if is, they watch Die Hard, they're going to be going happening. and punching their Here's friend in the face too, right? Like, like all art could be judged by this standard. Like, I don't think that gangster rap should be outlawed for for teenagers in the same way. That a lot of it involves violence and it, sex. It's and awful. I think parents should regulate what their kids are listening to. I, I think parents should rap. as yeah. well. But why don't we trust parents to do that with they porn? They should it needs be. to be both. Well, that's parents and the, the intentional conversation you said you were going to have with your kid earlier. Yeah. I was like, bravo! Every parent yeah. needs to be having exactly those kind of conversations. You can't just avoid but, it. But yeah. a lot of parents yeah. don't know how to, and a lot of kids are being raised without those kind of parents who are, have the courage to talk to their kids about you, sex. Yeah, well, that's so part I think of what that, we do. And you can't. You can't. How old are your children? Uh, three and nine months. Okay, mine is 11. You, you can't regulate everything. Mm. Because even if you try to control their phone and their computer, their friends at school have fucking phones. Exactly. Their friends at school. Like, there's just no way. The kids are breaking into iPads at school. Like, you have to, like you said, get ahead of it and talk about it because there's no way you can keep it from them. Mm -hmm. um, something that you brought up earlier that I think is an interesting, broader conversation that we're starting to have more of is when you mentioned that, like, some of these women are getting into porn at 18, 19 and getting injuries or whatever and that this isn't normal. Um... A broader conversation for society is, I think, unfortunately, and maybe we were discovering this through porn, I think it actually is normal, and I think that's a problem that hasn't been talked about for a long time, is I think there has always been a societal expectation that sex for women is something to be suffered through. And I think there have been a lot of studies that show, like, what is it, like, 45% of women like never have an orgasm when they have like uh, hookups with partners. Um, for marital rates, the orgasm and the sexual happiness gets a little bit higher, although it's contestable whether it's higher because they're actually satisfied or because they don't have anything to compare it to. But I feel like for a lot of hookup type scenario and for a lot of casual sex, and even for a lot of marital sex, it does feel like there's been a conditioned response where women are supposed to suffer through kind of shitty sexual experiences while men will always get to orgasm. And I wonder sometimes if maybe women that go into porn that are starting to feel like, oh, these experiences kind of suck. Maybe we're finally starting to have broader conversations that the way that women and men engage with sex in society has always been like a little shitty on the women's side of things. Yeah, and I mean, 
we're getting into like red pill talking points here, but that's why the sexual revolution has been bad for women on average is because we all know that a woman is far more likely to enjoy sex or orgasm by having sex with the same partner a bunch of times. Whereas with a guy, you or I could probably have sex with anybody for the first time and finish no problem. So, I well, mean, but that's what I mean. I don't know all the, because I think that women have been conditioned to deal with a lot of shitty sexual situations, mm. but accept that it's just part of being a woman. Right, like, like there are still guys I think that don't know like what a clit is or if the G spot is real or don't know if their partner ever orgasms or not because in a sexual encounter it's ba it starts and it ends when the man gets hard and then when the man ejaculates right. and that, and even today I think that's still like the sexual norm um, and and women exploring that like well maybe it can be a little bit like on like unironically the most empowered women I think of sexually in terms of pursuing their own sexual pleasure are like those two chicks that were in here earlier and I do hear that sometimes too that women that have pursued some of the sexual work or whatever like oh like I have a way better understanding of what makes me feel good, where my sexual boundaries are, because I know them on and off camera, and, and what my uh, boundaries are for, for sets I do and for photos I do, like, they seem to have a better understanding than, like, a wife who's like, yeah, you know, we have sex, and it makes them happy, and it's cool, and, like, my husband doesn't ever really get me off, but, like, he loves me, and it's okay, and that's, like, my wifely duty, you know? Well, that sucks, because sex should be enjoyed within a marriage, and a woman can um, figure out what she likes and doesn't like within a marriage, and it doesn't have to be on camera. Yeah, of course. And they I could, think but that women should do that. I mm -hmm. think that you should, you know, have good sex with your husband. Like, I don't think that that's like, oh, you know, I'm just a wife, so I have to have sex. It's my wifely duty. Like, yeah. And I hope that women don't feel that way because you can enjoy sex without bringing porn into the bedroom. And you can learn to enjoy sex without becoming a porn star. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I'm just saying for the longest of times, it feels like women were conditioned to deal with like kind of shitty sexual situations. Like merit, like yeah. spousal rape, like wasn't even real, right? You can't rape your wife. It's your wife, right? Like it's just like insane, like where the sexual standards were set for so long. And I think in a lot of ways, we are making some good progress. And even in the Me Too movement, like 10 years ago, we probably, there's a lot of conversations that wouldn't have even been happening. And I feel like there, there is progress, but the internet for sure is is something that where where money is an incentive and greed can um, be the primary force uh, behind a lot of decisions like we have to put people like first and I think that porn is the worst sex education for uh, a young teenager because a lot of it is, is fake and for this this friend of mine who was 16 and her first boyfriend he thinks every, every like 97 percent of uh, girls who are um, one of those five sex acts I mentioned at the beginning, 97% of them show a, a, like a pleasurable response to that violence. And so guys, young boys are seeing porn and thinking, oh, girls seem to in porn enjoy being hit and rough, like, like me pulling their hair, me choking them. And so a lot of girls think that that's normal to be strangled in sex and be hit and beaten up. And they think that's what the guy wants. Girls are watching porn at an increasing rate. I think one in three visits to Pornhub now are girls. And a lot of the reason is actually different to learn like what... What do guys want? What are guys looking for? If all guys are watching porn, I need to see what they're watching. And I feel like the the ramifications are a lot of very miseducated like, mis yeah. teenagers learning from gangbang porn scenes what sex is. Like. Yeah, they do that. That's bad. But yeah, women drive a lot of fucking sexual or toxic behavior too for men. And I think they enjoy in certain circumstances. I think of like, have you seen like The Notebook? Yeah. yeah. This is like the creepiest fucking story in the world. <laughs> 
He wrote me, th- what, 365 letters? Bro, if you send four text messages and she hasn't responded, it's time to fuck off. Yeah. We're, we're, we're like in Blade Runner where he pulls women and just kisses her and he just the guy just goes for it and was like, oh, that's so romantic. Um, I'm not saying that like I'm blaming women. I do blame women, fuck women. Uh, no, but I blame men too. I'm just saying that I feel like both sides have driven like really toxic things. I don't know if I would just blame porn and say that this has turned women into a certain way because women have driven a lot of these like sexual toxic standards as well for romance. Like, so and- often when I ask a woman what kind of porn she watches, they say that they watch gangbang porn or very rough porn. I think, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't think that it's all just governed by them wanting to know what men are into. I think that there's an extent to which women want to be kind of dominated and controlled in a way that our society doesn't necessarily allow for at this time. And the preferences for rape porn are so much higher for women than men. It's like insane how gendered it is for the I preferences I just think for sex and violence shouldn't go together and like violence... Maybe I'm more of like a general pacifist when it comes to more things than others, but I think like violence is not something that we want to say. Let's push the boundaries and like what it, we don't want to be pushing boundaries on violence when it comes to sex. Like we want to be creating a place where people feel um, like safe and loved and like there have been women who've been killed in sex games gone wrong yeah. because of rough sex. Yeah, like that I've is literally happening. Literally, and, women mm-hmm. are literally being killed because yeah. through choking scrap. I mean, men. Are, there are men that fucking auto asphyxiate themselves. No, that's and not that's funny. Not okay. Nobody Nobody what? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. It's getting a little late here. Uh, is there anything else that we should talk about before we uh, convene here? Don't look at me like. <laughs> or was that a? Do we do we do a good job of putting our positions out there? Oh yeah, this I one. think I, I I will reiterate. Um, I want to say I'm anti-sex trafficking. Um, I'm anti-rape. Yes, get that out there. Let's um, out there. I think age verification and being stringent on identifying the performers and the people on set. Mm-hmm. I think most people should come together and agree on that. Um, I'm a little bit mixed on age verification for viewers because I really liked porn as a kid. I don't know if I would take it away. It's from just hard for me to imagine it being implemented practically. Uh-huh. And, uh, the no. one, if I wanted to be full debate Lord mode, the, the one thing that I would say is like, maybe it's not a good idea is what it would lead to is a market of like younger kids going to adults to try to get access to their profiles. And you create like a whole new weird market. Like going like, to the 7-Eleven and trying to get somebody to buy yeah, your beer. Or you've got like 18 year olds talking to like 12 year olds. Like, hey kid, you want to access my Pornhub account? You got yeah. like some weird shit going on there. But it would I, turn it would all of us into ID. weird fetish people yeah. who are like exchanging like 10 uh, terabyte drives of porns. But since we aren't the kid able is to bringing over. a thumb drive. Yeah. But I, I, I do. It, the, it's to protect the kids that are fighting porn not looking for it there's always going to be a kid who'll find porn if they really want to but 62 mm-hmm. percent of uh 11 to 13 year olds who'd been exposed to porn were exposed to it accidentally and wait so does accidentally yeah, like, mean they just twitter even come and, and all oh that. Twitter, it's okay. like i mean well huh. this is kids who've been exposed to porn this study said 11 to 13 year olds 62 percent of them it'd been accidental like a porn pop-up or porn was advertised or found them or kids googling things and getting onto porn sites when they don't, they're not even looking for it. So I think we, to protect the majority of kids, like I got an email from a woman who was her eight-year-old son spent an hour on Pornhub looking at like all these dramatically violent anal scenes. And I like how she can't she, even say it, <laughs> the, a, the A word. Well, she was so sad and traumatized that her son had seen that. And he, he, he like, he didn't know what he was, he didn't understand what he was watching. I think we can all agree we don't want eight-year-olds seeing those, that kind of video. My mom and would definitely be traumatized if she had to see any of the shit I saw as a kid, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The first thing yeah, I ever seen was poopsex.com. 1997. Oh that, was, that was how I got started. Oh, man. Yeah, but I wonder how, like, you're, you watching porn as a, like, 
as a child, basically, um, how that shaped your views on just life today. I think I, I've barely raped anybody. Oh. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. So I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Audible um, groans from the background that's on terrible. that one. Oh my I, no, God. no, no. My, I guess the, the thing that, I've had a really good engagement with women my whole life. I think because I was friends with women all throughout high school. I had a group of friends that were women and I've spoken with women. I've always been in relationships. I've always been, I've had, not on the level of Adam, but I've had a lot of sexual experiences with people in my industry, with fans, with friends or whatever. I've never, ever, ever had a Me Too moment or anything weird pop up ever. I just, I feel like when, when people fixate on porn and on rape and on consent or whatever, I feel like we have so few conversations about how to guide people down good, healthy sexual routes, and instead all of it is fixated on like abuse and rape and consent. When navigating sexual situations is so much more complicated than that and requires like so much more discussion and nuance. Like realistically, and I, I'm I'm borderline autistic when it comes to sexual stuff. I like to have clear conversations about like, what do you like? What are you into? Do you want to fuck here? Do you want, are we going to do this? Blah blah. That's fun for me. But realistically, that's not always what happens. And I would say that's the very small minority of time. And when you're trying to navigate through sexual situations with people, it's so complicated with little experience to figure out like, what does it mean when I touch somebody's lower back and they kind of pull away a little versus when they like move closer to me? Like these types of conversations or never had ever, and instead it feels like we wanna offload so much of our sexual problems or stuff onto either religion or onto porn or onto other things that it prevents us from ever having like any of the really good nuanced detailed conversations about how to educate people healthily in a sexual manner. Mm. I've watched a lot of porn growing up, but like I recognize that porn is porn, and I respect my partner. I would never thrust on my partner something that they wouldn't want to do because I have a respect for my partner. Porn is fun to watch it or to jerk off to because it's porn, but like it stops there. Same thing with any entertainment I engage in. I grew up playing a lot of violent video games. I would never kill or hurt anybody in real life because I recognize it's entertainment. But um, I, I think that I agree with what you guys are saying and that like children getting educated off of porn is fucking horrible. I wouldn't want my kid learning how to do sex from porn. But the reason why is because parents don't talk to their kids about fucking anything. And it's horrible. Like, like, I even get, like, I had to talk to my son when he turned, like, eight or nine about, like, you know, what does it mean to fucking masturbate? Because he's started to touch himself and it's not appropriate. And even having that conversation with a lot of parents will, like, fucking cringe. My parents didn't say anything to me about sex. My, I'm 34. My parents still wouldn't be able to have a conversation with me about sex. I've heard a lot of women say that fucking, they get their first period in school and they had no fucking idea. They were just in school one day and they're, like, exploding blood everywhere. And they're, like, I'm fucking dying. And their moms don't even talk to them about it. It's like, holy shit. So... To, to wrap it all up, I agree that the porn thing is kind of a problem, but I think it's a problem because we have a wider problem in society of having really shitty conversations about sex, good sex, and how to pursue it without only talking about like raping and not raping people. Yeah. No, yeah, well said. Yeah, no, we are always encouraging and empowering parents to talk to their kids yeah. about sex, like even as young as five years old, like you know, age-appropriate conversations mm -hmm. around bodily autonomy, yeah. and like we want to encourage parents and and empower parents but even beyond that like you said you could do the best job you could be the most intentional parent but if 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 your kid is is still in unsafe like you can never as a parent fully protect your kid you can do the best you can we want to hold the government to do the best they can to protect kids we want to encourage schools to do the best they can um our you know our, our priority is protecting underage and trafficking victims so of course the things that we're going to be advocating for come from that place and that heart 
um, and the, the films that we've made are exposing the, the worst side of things um, to really open people's eyes that this is happening. And even, um, you know, there's a lot of stories that it's, it's not their experience or they're sharing that they're not experiencing this kind of exploitation. But for a lot of people, they are, and their stories really need to be told. So, uh -huh. um, well, yeah, Britney's in our film, Beyond Fantasy, right. and um, I think it's 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 uncomfortable to see these. Like, I I talk about the topic of sex trafficking at a dinner party. It's like people cringe. Mm. They don't want to hear about sex trafficking. Like, that's a really intense topic for a lot of people. But one good but thing for you is I don't know if you know this, but it, it, the anti-porn movement's kind of in the zeitgeist, even like in our young men communities where there's a lot of guys who are kind of on this of like telling dudes to stop watching porn and stuff. Some of the biggest like streamer creators. The, the no of, fat no stuff. Fat. Well, no fat, yeah, yeah, even Aiden Ross was like encouraging it before I guess he showed it on stream the other day. There's, there's definitely a lot of people kind of in the anti-porn camp these days, maybe just because porn seemed like it got so big during the pandemic and whatnot. Well, yeah, because they a lot of people have felt isolated in their struggle and they've you know, become addicted where it's not something they just watch once a month. It's something where they are at work and they cannot think about anything about going home to watch porn. So that's why like my husband and I, we created, we just released a devotional called Stop Searching, Start Living. It's a 40 day devotional to help people overcome porn. We have courses available for men and women on our website on lovealwaysministries.com because we do recognize that it's a problem. We see the people that are watching it, that are struggling, that want to stop, but it's just like a drug. It's like when I was, you know, doing Oxycontins and couldn't stop. Like I, I desperately wanted to stop, but I couldn't, I was a slave to it. And so many people that are watching porn that desperately want to stop but they just don't know how so um that's where our fight is i had a 15 year old boy come up to me and tell me that every single class throughout his school school day he has to go to the bathroom at least once to watch porn and he was Jesus. like I, it's I, a real issue he said I, I don't know how to stop like this is ruining my life but it's on my phone it's like the the drug is in my pocket mm -hmm. and he was like he, he didn't know how how to overcome it and i thought that is so sad um, and that is the reality that a lot of people are, are addicted oh, that to. That is this. sad. I'm rooting for that kid because that's that's fucking rough. That's a future yeah. performer. I'm not I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know a guy, a guy like it. that. <laughs> Don't speak that over his life. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had the same issue once with League of Legends, so I know something about addiction. <laughs> Sneak into the bathroom to play? <laughs> yeah, well, I did fucking. It was destroying my life and my marriage. Oh. I've had a lot of video games basically destroy my life for a time period, True. including Minesweeper, really. Really? Minesweeper? <laughs> What, did you want to work for the fucking army in Afghanistan? No, I, I wanted to beat it on expert in like less than 60 seconds or some shit and it was consumed my entire life. It's Jesus. addictive. It's stimulating. All those I video games. Game. We used to play Grand Theft Auto growing up. And, you know. Yeah. I, I was I supposed don't do many to be the still doing moral decay of yeah, society. Was, Grand Theft yeah. Auto 2. I'd mm. sit there with my brother and sister just like, yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. the video games. All right. Appreciate you guys yeah. for coming through. It was definitely yeah, very informative. Destiny, thank you for keeping it respectful for the most part. A couple quips in there, but uh, I thought it was a good conversation. I'm very, very interested to read the thoughts in the comments since I know they're like my audience in particular. I hear the anti-porn sentiment all the time. And I, of course, know that we have plenty of porn fans. So I'd like to see where the discussion goes from there. Yeah. Sounds great. Appreciate Thanks you guys. For Thanks for having us on, us on and good conversation, yes. good questions. Thank you.